Welcome to A Counselor's Journey to Private Practice. I'm your host, Juan, and this podcast teaches mental health professionals to cultivate curiosity and build ambition in their journey to starting, growing, and scaling a private practice. Let's dive into the episode. How is everyone doing today? How are you feeling? How are you breathing? You know, how is your life with COVID? How's your family? How are your friends? I got off the phone a little bit earlier today, and right before we dove into um, our conversation about our topic that we had, we spent like 20 minutes just talking about, you know, how are you doing? How's your family? How has COVID impacted life? And and there's there's something to be said there, you know, whenever we don't just dive into a topic. Um, and I really love the work that I do here. I love being a part of a counselor's journey private practice. I love getting to know you, even though I don't see you. You know, some people get to interview and others, you know, reach out via email or share, you know, beautiful feedback with me. Um, but but I, I really hope that you know, you're doing well and you're breathing well and you're moving forward in the direction that, you know, you desire to move forward in. I want to thank you today for diving into this episode with me, for donating a little bit of time um, of your day or evening um, or morning, wherever you're at. Maybe you're on the, on the treadmill pushing that wheel, going and going and going, and you're like, all right, Juan, get to the point. Um, as always, um, I'd love if you're able to take some time to leave a review. Let me know how I'm doing. That helps grow the podcast. Just like you know, your private practice, one of the ways that you're able to grow is through referrals. Clients letting other people know, hey, this guy, this person is awesome, with all caps. I would love if you leave a review. That's uh, one of the core ways for other clinicians in the community and the place that we call Planet Earth to know that a counselor's journey exists. So help me in that journey. Today we're going to get into the topic of the the checklist, if you will. And what's interesting is there's so many checklists out there, but a checklist out there. But we are talking about a checklist for starting a private practice. So some of you who are gurus out there, or your old school vets, right? You've been around the field. Um, this 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 maybe not be 100% pertinent to you, but I think there are some key points in here that I'm going to share. So hang with me. And then some of the newer ones, welcome. Um, maybe you're in grad school and you're making, you want to make sure that, you know, you're going to head off in the right direction. I think you're in the right place. Um, or you're going from part-time to full-time agency to private practice. We are going to get into, um, the checklist and this checklist is in no order. This is just a checklist that you want to make sure you hit on these core areas before diving into private practice. Um, because Juan here, <laughs> Juan here, he just dove out of grad school. Um, I'm almost like a, a 10 year old diving into a pool. Like the 10 year old is like, Oh my God, that pool looks exciting. The water looks so good. So F it, I'm going to jump in. And then the parents are jumping right behind him, making sure that he can swim. But instead of my parents jumping behind me, when I jumped into private practice, it was my wife, Elizabeth. She was always there and still is, you know, we are, uh, we're the owners of Santos counseling, a group private practice. And even though you don't hear her voice here, I promise you, she is deeply, deeply involved in every episode that we do. Um, she just enjoys the behind the scenes, if you will. Now, let's get into you know our checklist for private practice. One of the places that I want to start is making sure that you know you have what's called your NPI. And you know what you could really do is, is just your national provider uh, identification. So NPI 
is what kind of registers you into the system as a clinician. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I am the expert on NPI, but instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that in the show notes I have that information for you. From your end, I just want to make sure that on your checklist, and maybe you got a sheet of paper right now or you got a mental note, put on there, need to have an NPI. Now there's a differentiation between NPI 2 and NPI 1, and that one is usually whenever we are individual versus group. The other area that we want to look at in our checklist is being licensed and being properly licensed. So there are hundreds, maybe, I'm not sure. There's a lot of credentials out there. Um, a licensed professional counselor, a licensed social worker, associate level, supervisor level. What you, what you really just want to make sure is that you have passed your licensure exam. You have that um, license um, in, in hand and you're able to go to your board. Um, and most boards have a website, uh, to my knowledge, and everybody just verify, yes, I am actually licensed because we don't want to run into any issues. Um, after that, right, after that checklist, um, let's go to the next one. The next one is covering your ASS. Cover it, my friends. There are many places that can help you cover it. One of those is HPSO, um, and there's other ones out there. Overall, what we're looking at is malpractice insurance. Uh, if you have your own um, office, you also want to look at general liability insurance. Now, typically, you'll want uh, at least a $1 million, uh, $3 million, uh, coverage. And, and that's going to be across the board for even when you get insured with insurance companies, when you work for agencies. Um, there may be a little bit of skew or uh, variance there, depending on where you work. But the, the, core, the core conversation that we're having here is to, to make sure that whenever you're building your private practice, um, or you're in private practice, that you do, you do have something covering your butt. Um, and the company that I've been using, no affiliation at all here, is HPSO. The next place that we're going to go to, we're just, we're just going through this, aren't we, is setting up your business structure. Now, I am not a tax professional, obviously, um, but I do have a tax accountant, and I recommend that. I also recommend working with an attorney to make sure that you set your business up appropriately. You know, you can set it up as a sole proprietorship, an LLC, um, limited liability company, a corporation. It really just depends on what your goals are now, what those look like tomorrow, and the type of life and future you want to create for yourself. So overall, I would sit down, you know, with a, an accountant, with your attorney. Let them know your business plans. Let them know that right now, if you're working in the business, and maybe at some point you want to work on the business and uh, you know, talk about tax breaks, talk about what, what does taxes look like, how do you file them um, as a corporation versus an LLC, all of those questions, making sure that you speak to a professional. Um, that's going to really set the foundation uh, appropriately for you. Next on the checklist, thanks for hanging with me. We're doing, we're doing well, right? Anybody out there need a water break, get you some. Um, so let's, <laughs> let's keep rolling. Um, EIN, Employee Identification Number. Now, that's different than uh, your social security number. You know, we all have a social security number. But the difference there is that that's, that's where you want to start separating you from the business. Um, and with that, again, not a tax person, not an attorney here, um, but I find it very helpful that we separate, you know, everything. You know, everything from when, when you're working with a patient, that money's to come in, they should go into that business account uh, versus your personal account. That really separates you from any kind of liability any issue, um, you know, people um, being sued or going towards you, it just creates that strong dis distinction from both sides. And again, you know, making sure that you communicate with uh, an attorney, with your tax professional, uh, so that you're able to get everything lined up accordingly. 
Um, the, the next one I have in this list is actually pretty interesting because right now I'm making this episode uh, amiss the, the, the venture, the adventure that we are with COVID. And I have on my checklist office space. Now, we are using telehealth, like my practice, um, I'm, I'm fully telehealth right now, but there's conditions uh, that work for the practice where they're going in, um, brave soldiers, if you will. And I know a lot of you out there, you're going in and, and you're living your best life and you're moving forward. And some others, you know, you're going in a different direction. Maybe you want to do telehealth. So overall here, you know, when we look at having an office, if you want to go the telehealth route, I don't see an issue with that. You know, if you're going to build a private practice, I really think that it's important to connect it to you, your goals, your dreams, you know, your ideal private practice. And if that is where it's in the comfort of your home and it's telehealth and, and it vibes with you, there can be success around there. Um, for those that are looking at having a physical office space, a couple of things that, you know, you want to look at, and I'll, I'll say these in you know, no specific order. The, the first one for office space when you're just getting started is look at, you know, money. Um, money as far as how much is this going to cost and can you sublease? So if you've got an office space and it costs a thousand dollars a month, but you're just getting started or you're not making a lot and you're only making a thousand, you know, we don't want to break even, but what if you found a clinician in the area that, you know, worked in a similar area as you and they gave it to you for a hundred dollars? Or what if you were, you were able to negotiate with them and rent it per hour, maybe at $20 an hour? Um, there's a lot of clinicians who are, are willing to do that. Um, because they're there to help, you know, they're not there to make the, a dollar from you, which I think, you know, we're all trying to build a business, but they're generally there trying to help. Uh, so that's one avenue, you know, make sure that you negotiate and you advocate for yourself uh, versus just shelling out thousands of dollars a month for, you know, a, a hot, fancy office when it's not filled with clients. That's also going to give you steps, you know, stepping stones, because if you're able to, let's say, start with that, you know, smaller step of subleasing an office per hour, then build your clientele where you shift instead of per hour at $20 an hour. Maybe you could shift once you get more clients on your caseload, two per day that you're paying, uh, two per month, to having your own uh, suite, to then having I mean, office, to then having your own office. Another area to look at is long term. Whenever I, I provide consultation, we have conversations on what are the goals now, what are the goals in the middle, and what are the goals long term. So if one of your goals long-term is to stop paying rent and purchase your own property, then we have to scale that to some degree. You know, we have to look at, okay, if we're going to rent, let's rent for, let's say, three years. So if you're paying rent three years and it's 20 grand a year, how much of that are you saving? And how much of that is going to saving to be able to be your down payment for that building that you wanted to purchase, right? So these are these big picture um, items that we want to look at so that when we're building a business, we are, yes, we're present, we're mindful, you know, we are in the moment and we're living our best life, but we're also looking at how do my decisions today influence, affect, impact my long-term goals. We want to make sure that it's in line. I kind of went on a rant there, but hopefully it was effective. You know, I kind of felt that, you know, we we connected, even though I am uh, inches away from my mic. But if it, as, as always, you know, it's such an interesting thing when I, when I do this podcast because it really feels that you are here with me. Um, and hopefully it feels like I'm there with you. Virtual high five, my friend. The other area that we want to look at is having um, a phone, right? So there's different avenues you can go. You can have your own cell phone um, or you can have a company phone. Um, one of the recommendations that you know I provide is a company that I use, All Call, Techno Te All Call Technologies. 
um, a guy named Greg there. If you're able to, you know, let them know that I sent you. There is a, a referral there that they um, uh, connect me with. So I would, I, would, I would appreciate that. I'm sharing that with you, just being transparent and vulnerable here. Um, but, you know, they do such a beautiful job, a wonderful job with making sure that um, the way that they structure your phone system is clinical, is, is, is related to what we do in that mental health sector um, with that language, right? So, so it has the language of, you know, this is what it sounds like when you call a clinician's office. And they're friendly. It's always awesome to have friendly staff that, you know, are there to help you and to support you. So, you know, with that, when you look at getting a phone, I think at the beginning, you know, you can start slow, maybe use your cell phone, but make sure that you have that where you can write it off towards the business. And then over time, you know, you've got uh, actual phone line with ex extensions, but you could also take that plunge in the beginning and have a phone line with extensions and just run all that, um, all that expenses through the business. Again, you're talking to your tax accountant, you're talking to your attorney, and you're looking at your business plan on, on what that looks like. Um, just like a phone system, we want to be able to have, and you probably guessed it, yes, Juan, we want to be able to have an email system. Um, and there's, there's tons of awesome email systems. You know, there's, there's um, uh, Gmail, uh, which I use. Overall, when you, when you have your email system, make sure that you have uh, that uh, HIPAA-compliant uh, understanding to it. Again, as clinicians, we want to make sure that we are covering our ASS. So that's, that's the biggest notion there, and in the phone system as well. Um, and then the last system, other than phone, email, there's a couple more, is your fax. Um, with some phone companies, uh, if you didn't want to go that route that I shared earlier, um, there's other phone systems that include uh, a fax. But overall, you do want some kind of fax. There's some clinicians that are a little bit savvy out there, which I love, being curious and ambitious, and they'll do electronic fax. So, you know, it all goes through email and they have it, you know, HIPAA compliant and secured and all that good stuff uh, versus, you know, it coming out and, and being printed. They can still print it, but it kind of takes a different route, if you will. All right. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, the next place that we're going to go to is making sure that you have all the, all, all, the, all the documents and the paperwork that you need in your private practice. Now, these range from, let's say, your professional disclosure, at least for me, um, a licensed uh, professional counselor uh, in the state of North Carolina. Our, our credentials have changed, um, so I'm catching up to it. <laughs> um, you know, we have to have our professional disclosure that goes into all the details of why we're in practice and our fees and so forth. So in your private practice, I would just take time to say, okay, what are all the documents that I need? You know, of course, you're going to need your intake paperwork that goes over, you know, presenting concerns, issues, um, symptomology, some kind of check this checklist there. You're going to need some kind of private pra private practice private practice policies. There we go. We did it together. Um, you're probably laughing at me now, which is cool. Um, a good good humor helps the soul, doesn't it? Um, if you know me on a personal level, I love 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 to laugh. Uh, your intake documents, some kind of super bill. So super bill will be for all those individuals out there that are choosing to go out of pocket then having that documentation there for them, um, being able to provide uh, a release of information, right, so that you're able to communicate with third parties, attorneys, um, um, psychiatrists, and so forth, uh, making sure that you have some kind of HIPAA-like statement, a statement on there talks about client rights, um, all of those. And there are numerous places online that you're able to find these documents um, where, you know, some of them are free um, or some of them you pay, you know, a couple of dollars for, but you invest in the short run, in the short run. That way, you don't have to keep doing it in the long run. 
All right, we are doing well with this uh, checklist. Uh, another area that we want to look at is your uh, EHR system. So th this is your system that you're able to write documentation, you're able to bill clients if you're using insurance, you're able to schedule appointments and so forth. Um, no affiliation here, but I, I have been using Simple Practice, and I like Simple Practice. You know, it's easy to use, um, they're kind, they're supportive, they answer questions um, when I have questions. And what you're looking for in, in this system is you're looking for what can it provide me to allow the journey of private practice to be a little bit more simple. Now, some individuals out there, they may not be ready to shell out, you know, the $40, $50, $100 a month for these systems, um, but it does reduce the amount of work that you're doing. If you're not ready to do that, you know, of course, make sure you have everything secured, password protected, HIPAA compliant for, for your notes is what I'm speaking to here. But I do recommend, I'll share with you from one clinician and private practice to another, um, I wish that I would have started using it much earlier because I, what I do is I look at time. And, and this is funny. I was sitting down <laughs> with a consultation session and I was sharing or we were sharing with each other that back in the, the old days when I started private practice, I would hand text every appointment reminder. And you're probably like laughing out there or you're like, oh man, I did the same thing. <laughs> and it would take, I mean, it took a lot of time and it was a tedious task and I had to be so detailed and so organized to make sure that I remembered when was the best time to text, uh, follow-up text, and all these things. And of course, obviously somebody that would do that would loves their job. I love being a clinician. I love getting to know people and working with them and being there with them. And then um, my wife, she is a strong, she has a strong mindset for entrepreneurship. And she's she's just nudging and nudging. And, and, and that can be a very old soul where I like to write on pen and paper and it takes me forever to get to the CP or, you know, to, to go to technology. Um, so she's like, you know, we, we need to do this. Um, so then we did it. And what I realized is that, you know, it, it, I was taking, you know, minutes upon minutes, almost an hour or more to get all these reminders sent out. And now, you know, it's just a click of a button. So then what we look at as clinicians is we tap into that entrepreneur brain. So hang with me here. That entrepreneur brain, you want to be able to say, okay, if I pay $100 a month for this system to send out that reminder. What can I do with that hour that I just got back, right? Because you're no longer sending all of those reminders. Well, an hour of your time, if you're a clinician, is worth maybe $100 an hour. So you just made $100 if you see a patient. Well, what if you do a blog post? What if you work on marketing? What if you do a YouTube video? That's where we want to look at working in the business as well as working on the business. Both of those produce a beautiful effect. So take that, you know, take it, play with it, see, you know, which direction it leads you. So again, let's kind of go back. Let's go back to the checklist of what we need in private practice. One that we want to go into is having some sort of marketing, you know, outline. And a marketing plan, what we want to do is we want to look at how do I want to reach clients? You know, what's what's my system there? And there's other episodes that I've done where, you know, we look at marketing. So I want you to tap into those. But for the time being, we want to be able to almost get like a, you know, work with me here. So you get a sheet of paper and on this sheet of paper, this is how my brain thinks. So you're getting, you're getting inside the mind of one. On this sheet of paper, you have a circle and the circle has your name or your private practice name. And then you draw little lines out, it's like a spider web, I think it's called, right? These little graphs. And each of those lines 
are marketing avenues of how people find you. So one of them may say Facebook, and that's your Facebook business page that you publish every week or you do live videos every week. So people are able to find you, know the work that you're doing, know how awesome you are, and work with your practice. And then the next line next to it that leads to that big one, your practice, is you know guest episodes that you do on different people's podcasts. And maybe the next line is paid advertising that you do through Google Ads. Um, and then maybe another one on there is flyers that you pass out to local churches and hospitals and so forth. So when you look at marketing, that's what, that's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about, you know, what are all these XYZ variables that I need to engage in and that are fun for me that connect with me that lead to, you know, the practice having caseload, the practice having clients coming in. And that's called a funnel there, some kind of funnel system. So overall, we want marketing to connect to that funnel system. In addition, when, we, when you look at building your marketing, take some time to consider um, ROI, your return on investment, and if there is an actual you know, return taking place. So when you have all of these variables, let's say two of those variables are that you are engaging in live Facebook videos on, on, your, um, on your Facebook page, and you're doing that, because you want to share how you support others, but you also want to lead potential clients to your practice. And let's say that you're also doing um, Instagram. And on Instagram, you're posting images and um, infographics, right? And you've been doing this for, let's say, three months, a year. What you want to look at is effectiveness, return on investment. You want to be able to pull the data from each of those and say, okay, Facebook and Instagram. I notice on Facebook that I'm on there, but I've only gotten one client from it. And I notice on Instagram, I'm on there and I've gotten at least five per month. So what that data is telling you is telling you something very important, that your ideal client is spending more time on the Instagram area, so that's where you want to spend more time in. These are, you know, these little details that sometimes we miss when it comes to marketing. And, it, when it come, and also, I'm studying here, must be one of those days where my inner child, um, I used to stutter a lot when I was a kid, is just popping up. All right, so that's that's a little bit of a, a little bit of info there when it comes to marketing. The last point on the checklist, and remember, remember, friends, you know this checklist can have a lot of different points. This checklist can extend into much more detail. So if you know if you're listening to it and you're like, I want to know more of that, reach out for consultation. I'm more than happy to work with you or to lead you in the right direction. Listen to other episodes. You know, a lot of them have um, details that do, you know, push push uh, the information uh, much deeper. So the next one that we are going to go into uh, has to do with insurance. Some practices go the insurance route. Some practices do not go the insurance route. From a consulting point of view, clinicians that I've worked with, from building my private practice, both of them can lead to beautiful practices. They can lead to where you're making what you want to make and you're helping the people that you want to help. It, it, it really just depends on what journey do you want to take. Um, again, what journey do you want to take? And you notice in that I didn't really give you maybe the best answer or the answer that you were looking for. Um, from my end, I, I've been taking insurance. Um, I have systems in play. One of those is my wife. <laughs> um, that, that cracks me up. But no, she's, she's amazing when it comes to you know, acknowledging how to work, you know, effectively in that area. So what I mean to share with you there is if you are open to taking insurance, then maybe the gap that you want to fill in your practice at one point is education, knowing how to go in there, 
bill and become, you know, for a while billing specialist or pull a little bit of money out of your budget, hire uh, a virtual assistant who is a billing specialist and allow them to engage in that credentialing and billing process for you. Um, so that's, a, that's out of your hands, but it's being done effectively. Some people want to take the private the private pay um, uh, focus. The key differences that I've noticed over time, and I'll share these with you, is A, whenever you go out-of-pocket versus insurance, the time limit's not really there. So often insurances will say this is a 45-minute session. So then as a clinician, you know, you're also saying, hey, it's a 45-minute session. Whereas a private practice clinician not taking insurance can go the route of, you know, let's make this a two-hour session or let's do a intensive six-hour relationship workshop to get you from stuck to deeply connected. Um, you know, often insurances won't provide that type of flexibility. So that's one, you know, that's one core area why people go that route. Another one is reimbursement. So insurance are going to say this is what you're going to be reimbursed X. And you can negotiate, but, you know, at some point it's going to kind of cap there. Whereas if you go out of pocket, you're able to charge $200, $300 for a session. And, you know, that's not really going to take place in that insurance round. So that's another reason there. Um, and then I think uh, the last one to mention, too, is um, more of the uh, restrictions that take place um, along it. One of them, not restrictions, but requirements. I'm sorry, I'm not sure why I said restrictions. And that's a diagnosis. So, of course, with insurance, you know, we do need that element of a diagnosis. Um, and then it has to be submitted, you know, to the insurance company. Whereas with, um, you know, when you're doing out-of-pocket, there can be a diagnosis, of course, from the clinical end. You keep that in the file. But it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be submitted to an insurance company. Um, and, and, of course, again, go back to you. You know, it's your private practice, your journey, your business, you know, your baby, if you will. What do you want to do? What journey do you want to take? And you know that both sides can be effective. Both sides can lead you to where you want to be at. It's just which one, you know, do you want to take? Interview clinicians out there. Take time to ask a lot of questions. Um, I like to interview veterans, you know, clinicians that have been in the field for a while. And then I'll ask them, you know, what do you think about insurance? What do you think about, you know, uh, cash-based business? And they give you their insight. They're sharing their story with you, their phenomenological experience, if you will, you know, for all those researchers out there. So before you head off, hopefully you're able to write some of these things on your checklist. I want to ask for a kindness, if you will. Um, I am working every day as hard as I can to grow this podcast, and I need your help. Um, if you're if you're willing to help, if you're willing to lend a little bit of time, you know, a couple of minutes, I would love if you could write a review. I would love if you could share this, maybe on your Facebook page, share those other with the clinicians in your private practice, in your agency, wherever you work. Let them know this is a free resource that I love what I am doing. And I am enjoying it, um, and I do need help. Um, I put myself very vulnerable in this moment. Um, one of the, the the only way I think um, you know to grow it as far as podcasts is by connecting with the audience, connecting with you. You know, letting you know that I'm very thankful for the time that you're sharing with me. Um, and if you're able to subscribe, if you're able to share, if you're able to leave a review, um, I would really, 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 really be appreciative of that. My stutter kicked in again there. All right, friends, have a beautiful day. In your journey of private practice, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please leave an awesome review and share this podcast with any counselor you think is working towards starting, growing, and scaling a counseling practice. Let's grow together in our journey. I'll see you in the next episode.